0: Hey, welcome to another episode of Mind Your Loaf, a podcast about taking action on our mental health. I'm here my co-host, Mark. Hi. Yeah, and a team at Irish Mental Health Charity, TurnToMe.ie, who besides helping us with this podcast, provide professional mental health support online, which is free to everyone in Ireland. This is a new episode, isn't it, Mark?
1: Yes, it is. Now, this episode
0: is going to be turning your life around.
1: Yeah, I'm really actually looking forward to this.
0: Yeah, well, I tell you, I am as well, because the man I've brought in is a man called Willow White. And I'll just introduce you, So Just wait a second, right? So Willow White now is uh, he's a scaffolder. Willoway is a comedian, a brilliant comedian, and he is just won Best Actor at the Dublin Fringe Awards, wasn't it, Will? In 2019. I'm an award-winning actor. Really? So he's an award-winning actor and he's a comedian and a scaffolder and no better man to come in and talk about Turn Your Life Around because I know, I know Willie about 15 years now. He's a great friend of mine, Willie. Yeah. Now, I'll have to say, and I'm going to put this in as well, <clears> when, I, when, you, when you separate or, you, you know what I mean, when you separate from your wife and all this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it's kind of weird in our, like, People go one way or the other way and Willie never left my side. Aww. So, so Thanks,
2: Willie. You're very, very welcome, Jason. So, that's, what, that's what friends are for.
0: Yeah, so he's a great friend of mine. And I, I, when someone said to me, like, we want to do an episode and turn your life around, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. else in the world and I've gigged everywhere and anywhere that, that someone hasn't like, turned their life around. I mean, that Willie over there should literally be like not alive sitting in front of us. It's but, a
2: real weird name, over there. Yeah, yeah, over there. I'm from a big family. <laughs> of, yeah. The over there's. So he's, <laughs> he's, Willie over there. Like he's sitting
0: there. He's like, he's, he, and the play, the act and everything. But I mean, I mean, because we're going to be talking about turn your life around, I mean, do you want to start back? where you're yeah. from and like how it all start like what like how you, I mean you're because I remember oh. saying okay this is, we'll not talk over Willie now again but I'm going to say I'm from Willie was from Ballymun the thing I got into trouble for was doing a knick knack on the door <laughs> and I told that to Willie and he told me his life and I went ah yeah
2: right okay we used to take people's doors <laughs> Jason used to knock on them so um, give,
0: give us a yeah start wherever you want to start like just about how your life yeah, developed. yeah
2: I, I suppose I'll, I'll start Jesus from the beginning and, and, and tell you a bit about me and where I'm from and, and um, what it was like growing up I come from a, a very small family Um, I'm the tallest I'm 5 foot 7 and um, no it was just myself my sister and my mother and father growing up and we came from um, Ballymun I was born the south side and moved moved to Ballymun at a very very young age and um, came from a dysfunctional family. My um, mother and father liked like to have a drink and it's crazy because from the outside we looked very very normal, like everything looked looked yeah. great, like we materialistic. Grown up myself and my sister, we we had everything, you know. My dad had a good job; he worked for a uh, Post and Telegraphs at the time, which. You know, then turn into telecom air and, and aircom and now it's air. Um I mean mother walked she walked in the in the rag trade as she called it. She 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 worked in clothing factories and stuff. So there was good money coming into the house and,
0: and where you were you in Balymon in the house or the no we were in the flats. We the were flats? in it,
2: it's mad because when we moved <laughs> we moved to Balymon First, we moved into fifteen Shangan Avenue, which were the four stories. Do you know what? Right. So he used to come out in and go, sturdy sturdy, <laughs> sturdy, sturdy, So that was four stories. The people that lived in the 15 stories never got out of the house. Um, no, so we lived there. We moved to 15 Shangan Avenue. And my sister Susan wasn't well, me me, me oldest sister. And so they moved back into Crampton Buildings. And Crampton Buildings, if you don't know, is in Temple Bar. It's a little set of tenement flats in oh, the house. Oh, I heart.
1: know them. They're yeah. gorgeous.
2: So, my sister wasn't well and my ma says there was a ghost in 15 Shanghai Avenue and he used to flush the chain during the night in the toilet and I says, you know, but she was dead serious there was a ghost. So when we went back to Crampton Buildings and me, my dad kind of says that was mad, there was hot water out there and central heating and look where we are. They asked the council again could they go back and we moved into 16 Shanghai Avenue which was next door which was grand because there was no ghost there and there was no chains Lushy being flushed out like that. So that's where I kind of grew up. We lived on the the fourth floor, on the top floor. There was eight flats in each block, so we were the second lift shaft, and it was mad growing up. It was crazy. And I was telling a fella the other day, he couldn't believe it. We'd one public telephone box between the eight stories and the four stories, Jeez. and there was always someone who manned it. So when the <laughs> like phone rang, when the phone rang, they'd say. Will you go and get the flins out number fifty six? <laughs> really? I swear to God, right? So like, he. What year? What you talking there? I'm going back to the seventies, like yeah. Between well, I was born in seventy one, so seventy one yeah. to say eighty, yeah. Two, there was always so, and it was great. It was a great number if you were at the the phone box because you always got tenpence or twenty yeah. pence for going and getting the person to come down to the phone, like you know. Yeah. And uh, my dad walked in 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 uh Post and Telegraph, so We never had a had a phone. I said it probably could have been worse if we walked for the ESB and we'd now fucking electricity <laughs> oh, yeah. so we were kind of lucky in one sense but it was mad growing up it, it was my childhood Was um, it, it was kind of bittersweet it, it would be the best way to describe it I um, during the day I used to get out of the house and, 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 and run wild so to speak there was horses and there was always stuff to do because there was no phones back then you know so you were kind mm-hmm. of how old you were know, you then? I, you know, about like I remember my childhood from about seven or I started taking drugs when I was about seven or eight years really? of age. Like, yes, yeah. I started sniffing glue and I start taking solvents, you know, and it was great. It was, I have to say, it was brilliant. Like, because you hear that saying of people saying, you know, it was on my head, and for the stuff that was going on at home, my father was very violent towards my mother, so it was great. When I took drugs, drugs actually took me away from what was going on at home.
0: You could escape from Yeah, it, like, so it was like Boo-boo-boo.
2: you hear people saying I was out of my head and that's why I took drugs was actually to get out of yeah. my head from what was going on. Around. And you were like seven, eight years of age, sniffing glue. Yeah, sniffing glue and, and, and taking solvents. You know, um, light or fuel or anything. Um, and was it
0: like there was a whole group of you doing that?
2: Yeah, there was a few of us doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah, there was so a few of us So was there older it. kids that would have given that to you or...
2: No, there was... We, we, we seen the the people doing it and all the lads doing it and we and we just tried it. So it was... Um, you know, and there was lots of lads that done it with me that never kind of ended up on the on the, the road that I ended up on. I think from a very early age, I just kind of had that thing in me that I just... if if If, if someone... You know, drank four cans of beer. I wanted to drink six cans of beer. I remember going away with the U under 11s football team and bringing a bottle of um, old cellar sherry with me and drinking the whole bottle. like, You yeah, know, gross. when I was a kid. Yeah, it was. It was. So were you getting sick and falling yeah, around? I was and in a bundle, and I haven't drank sherry since. Like you know, um, since I was eleven. Old cellar so since I was eleven. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so you're
0: now on a mental road, like that. Yeah, is, it was. It, was, it was, For it, anybody listening, are going eleven. He's yeah. like
2: I know. I look. At, I look at my daughter, and she's twelve years of age, and I just can't imagine. You know, who living the life that that I lived when I was when I was a young child. So it was.
0: And do you think it's because of where you were living? Do you know what I mean?
2: The people well, suppose, around you. Well, like, I suppose the environment had a, had a little bit to do. with uh, I, I mean,
0: another thing is, Were where a lot of your your mates going through the same thing. Did you have like same parents that were like? Not no. Well, some
2: some of them did have stuff like that. But I mean, they they never ended up where I ended up, and there was a lot of kids. I just kind of find with addiction from my addiction is that it was never where I was from, or it was never it was it was I was the problem, you know. Look, I know lots of people that grew up in, in great families and, and with, mm. you know, with great par- parents and that. I was starved of love and affection as a child. Like, w- my dad was very violent towards me and my sister. And we just didn't get, you know, we weren't hugged and we weren't, there was there was none of that type of stuff, you mm. know. We didn't know any of that. And, and when I look back later on in life, I realise that from where my father came from and when I'd done a bit of homework, on his father and seeing the type of person that his father was, that he actually done a really, really good job of me and my sister as much as I thought it was a disaster at the time. It really wasn't, you know. Did he come from the same type of background? He came himself? from a worse background. Right. There was like, there was 16 kids in my dad's family. Like there was 10 boys, 10 boys and six girls. And they did nothing. Like I, I was talking to my uncles about stuff that happened years ago and, my dad's brother, Tommy who's there's only three of them left out of 16 now. Like, my own mm-hmm. father passed away in, in 2016. And his brother told me that he never seen toilet roll till he went to live in London in really? 1954. He says they ate out of the bins in the corporation fruit markets Jeez. that they hadn't got. They literally hadn't. It's like that thing, they were piss poor. They hadn't got a, pe- a pot to piss in. Like, yeah. So your you know?
0: dad had no love or empathy no, my, shown my, to him No, grand, my
2: grandfather, without going in depth, to him was a fucking animal by all accounts mm. um, and I, I actually don't really feel bad about saying that um, I don't know why they named me after him I got named after him for a man that that was, was they were actually going to call me Jason funny enough my mum was going to call me Jason mm. and um, my granddad died and I got named after um, I got named after a fucking monster mm. and I don't, I don't mind saying that and if any of my family is listen to the podcast and that you know, they'll, they'll kind of understand what I'm talking about. So, yeah, when I, when I look back at, at where my dad came from, and there was no love and affection in, in, in his house. So, you know, in in some way, we were probably kind of bought, you know, materialistic, you know, I'd rally borner and I'd nice clothes. And, you know, it was a very... See a lot of
0: people think listening as well, go, you're from Bali, one, so you must be taking drugs because you're from there. No, but I love no. your point of saying that you could be from anywhere. The situation you got into is because you weren't being given the love.
2: Yeah, yeah well, yeah, well, I mean, it, it, addiction doesn't care where you're from, who you are, what religion yeah. you are, what colour you are. I mean, you look at some of the people through history, famous people that have ended up. Addicted to drugs and and I ended up dying from drugs. It's it's mm. was really nothing to do with their childhood. Like you know, they got famous and they got a shitload of money and and they didn't know how to handle it or they didn't know how to deal with it and, yeah. and someone just ended up dead.
0: So, so I. So no, I was going to say you're like you're you're eleven and twelve, right? You're on that. You're on glue and and is it aerosol as well? Yeah, and all that?
2: Uh, light or flu- uh, yeah. Don't you? Whatever. Yeah, you you put it in between your teeth and you you inhale it. Which and is
0: mad because because I'm, I'm the same age as you at the exact same time I was just in a field mm. playing football.
2: It's yeah, it's it's crazy because um, I know when I when I actually think about it, it is actually really sad when I, when I look back yeah. at my life and I look at the life that I've had compared to where I am now. It's really it's really upsetting for me mm. even sometimes, mm. you know. Because you probably feel sorry it. for
0: that little kid.
2: Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I really, really if you do. You could hold them now and just yeah, go on. doing? It, and it's mad because I've got, I've got two kids now, and I've got a granddaughter like, and my granddad, Like, and I made sure that when my kids were born that they were smothered with love and they were smothered with affection. Yeah. And they grew up in a completely different way to the way I grew up. I mean, m- m- my dad drank and my dad um, smoked. like... and. Like when my kids were born, they've never seen me drunk because I don't drink. They've never seen me on drugs because I don't take drugs anymore. And, you know, so it's to completely, I've, I've completely smashed the chain, so to speak. Yeah. In my family, my dad never owned his own house. And I'm not saying that, you know, material things in life, as, as I'm very, very aware of, and I'm sure Jason is very aware of, mm. don't mean nothing if you don't feel good yeah. inside. Like, you know, like nothing is going to fix me but me. And I'm and really, very, very aware did, of that.
1: How did you, like, what you're talking about is this intergenerational repeating of a pattern all the time. And then it gets to you and you've smashed these chains. How, what about you enabled you to smash those chains?
2: Oh, come but here. You, well, it was, you, a, yeah, it was a long, long journey after that, Mark, Look, I, I, I progressed all the way kind of up the ranks and I left school uneducated. I done my Me and me mate Martin Boyle and went back to the gaff. We bleached the two exam results. We wrote in our own exam results because it was printed in pen and my dad thought I was fucking Einstein when I gave him the (laughs) results. (laughs) I like it. And then the letter came to the door saying that they wanted to see me mother and father and me Mother and father probably thought I was getting an award for all their A's and B's, and then they basically got up and told them I was the fucking class clown, and that I got nothing. I didn't even pass English, like. Yeah. And um, me dad, fucking went to town on me like it was yeah, it <laughs> was
0: um, So at that stage now, will like you're you're you have gone you're on the like, have you progressed now yeah, to other yeah, drugs? Yeah, So I'm dring- I'm drinking and, I'm, and drinking. I'm smoking
2: weed at this stage, and I'm and I'm um I'm taking um. I'm taking tablets every now and again, you know, just like volume and that. And then I went to go into the, I went to go into the the senior school, and Mister Colrain said I wasn't coming into the school. He says, "No, he says we heard about you in the comprehensive, and you're not coming in here. Uh, you might have broke your mother's heart," he says, "but you're not going to fucking break mine." So I never got Isn't in. That's terrible. Yeah, because
0: obviously, if that was a, a headmaster of a school and seeing a child now like that. They help you, yeah, yeah. And they go, "My God, are you okay? Let's try and sort this out." But in those days, it was like, "Don't come
2: in here." Well, well, he's blaming you, blaming you. Yeah, that's. I was basically drowning, and I was getting my hands into the boat, and he was banging them off the fucking oar. And was there
1: part of you that really wanted to get to school?
2: I wanted to go to the senior side. I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. I I, I was just kind of at that age where I I, I I'd no ambitions. I'd know, you know. I didn't, you know, like a lot of are is, is kind of structured when they when they finish, you know, um, the first part of of of, of second, like towards year. They kind of go, yeah. Well, I'll go on. Maybe I'll be a plumber, or I'll be. Mm. I I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like you know, I really didn't. I I always walked from a very young age. Um, even like when I was, you know, 11, I sold the papers and I, you know, done fruit and veg and I, anything, done the milk and anything to kind of make a few quid. My dad was always a grafter. He always walked like, you know, so I kind of had that in me. And I grew up, um, the one thing that me mother and father gave me were really good ethics. Like I'd, I'd really like nice manners and I'm, 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 you know, I'm very courteous and I always helped. Even though I was Isn't raised it, the way I was raised, I, I was brought up as a good person but isn't
0: yeah. that mad because people listening are going like because your mum and dad were abusive and drinking and whatever and then you still have
2: yeah, yeah. sympathy it's, it's, and it's, empathy it's, it's, for, you still
0: have this crazy. weird kind of like for them yeah, you know I mean? yeah, you're able
1: it to is. acknowledge what they gave you as well as what they didn't give you in a way that,
2: that was it I, I went to live in London then when I was 16 years of age when I didn't get into school my um, mate was living in London there was a few lads in London a manor house and I went to live in London then and I remember my sister at sixteen. At sixteen, my sister gave me a crash course on how to iron and cook over about a week, and, and off I went. Now she was lovely too, wasn't she, Susan? Well, yeah, I Susan see, was, was great. She she was she was she was brilliant. And um, so I went to live in London, and and when I went to live in London, it was a great time to live in London, um, because the, the the rave scene was only coming in. I was over there looking like, in nine, like 1988, 89. So all the years was in and all that. So it was like, you know, it was like I fucking went to Disneyland or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and all the hugs that I never got out my mother and father. When oh, I really? used to be at the raves, everyone used to be <laughs> hugging me and I was like, fuck
1: up, hugging me. And, and actually, just, were you, did you, were you an affectionate person?
2: Yes, I was. But even back I, then. you know what? I, I am a big teddy bear. Like people might look at me and go, you know, and even by the way that I talk, I don't don't like confrontation, Confrontation. I don't like violence. Uh, I, I've had I've had times in, in my life where, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've had to, you know, step up for myself and, and, and but I'm, I would avoid trouble. If I can avoid trouble, mm. I will avoid trouble. Yeah. I hate bullies. I used to see kids getting bullied in school and I used to help them and I just haven't got that side in me where I don't like seeing kids as targets and I don't like seeing people being singled out and picked out you know um, so I, I, I kind of hadn't got that so I went to live in London and it, and it was like it Where was, are you
0: living now? Are you in a squat or was a house? I was in a squat
2: in Manor House In a place called Woodbury now, Downs you know, Manor and House And I know the
0: way You see you speak to me about this And you go I was in a squat And you go Anyway And I go what, what did we do? What's a, what is it a squat? It was mad because In most, my house Or in my head yeah. I'm thinking It's a derelict house With seat bags And you've broken into that And yeah. that's what a squat is
2: And most of them In in, in the in the house Were all on the, on the flat Were on the run From from Dublin For really? stuff that they're doing Yeah and there was lads so that So now was you're on.
0: in with lunatics now. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I knew still at that time like that I didn't fit in with these people. But it was just somewhere to stay. Yeah. You know, uh, two of them died. Um, Rusty died. He was found in, he was a bricklayer from and He was found dead in the toilets in somewhere in Kings Cross. Was that an overdose, or? yeah, and Goffer died. Um, I come home one night and Goffer was lying outside on the ground. He did he wasn't dead at the time, but he died as well. So I knew the dangers of drugs and there was drugs in there. In the house, where well, I, I got a job, then I worked in a butcher shop. Um, I got a job in a paint factory first, and I went in one morning because you could smoke on the buses over there, and we used to be smoking weed. But they had a forklift. So when you sat in the forklift, it was a side-loading forklift. So the forks was that way and you'd sit like this. But when you turned right, the forklift turned left. When you turned left, the forklift turned oh, right. Here. Yeah. Now, if you were at the smoking two joints on the way into work, what's <laughs> left is right, you just... Oh, so Jesus. I had a big pallet of paint one morning. And I'll never forget, it was called Go Sales Limited and Hackney Wick. <laughs> and your man goes, yeah, mate, bring that out, take it, put it on a Larry. And I was like, yeah, yeah, no problem, pal. And there. Uh, I went to go out to turn right, and I bleed and turned the forklift right, and I went left, and the whole pallet of paint went <laughs> oh. all up. I just jumped out of the forklift and ran up the road. <laughs> that was it. I just left it because surely couldn't contact me. I had no phone. Yeah, yeah. I had no nothing, you know.
0: No address.
2: No address. No nothing. No. so so then I, I ended up walking a in, a, in a butcher shop. I saved me time as a butcher over there. And
0: now you're about what seven? I mean, long long are you in London? I'm about, then?
2: I'm in London now. At this stage, probably about two and a half years. Jesus. And then, in those squats? No, I moved out of the squat. Right. I got a little place down in uh, median road down in Lower Clapton, East. A, and uh, and and things were doing all right for a while. We were still taking a lot of drugs on the weekend. Are you on heroin now? That's no, no. Right. So I got I, I got drugs psychosis. I, I I took acid one weekend, and 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 things just went a bit well, probably a bit a, a lot wrong. And I thought that people were out to kill me and I came out of the flat and I was like, you know, and I'd see people talking, I was saying, there he is. Anyway, long story short, I went down to my auntie's flat and she was there with a friend and my cousin and I thought they were holding me there for the IRA to come and assassinate me. So I held them hostage in the flat or in her house for about three Mm -hmm. days. And it was a her- horrific experience.
0: What did you do? Did you like tie them up
2: or something? No, I just held them in the kitchen with a knife like and told them that they weren't leaving. And were It, you was, off it your- was horrible because I had them peeing into a basin and everything. It was just, it was... My God. And yeah. do you remember that now? I or, remember bits of, it, yeah, bits of it, yeah. And then I got sanctioned and I got sectioned and I got put into a psychiatric intensive care unit in London for about seven months. And really? I was, yeah, it was horrible. It was a horrible time in my life. Um. And I never thought I'd get out of the place. I, I I tried to take my own life. It was a really horrible time, and lots of stuff happened in there. And I was on a lot of medication, and I was, I really thought that I was going to be left there. I thought I was going to be in London for the rest of my life. In this, but you're unit, only about like. nineteen in there. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm nineteen, and um, eventually I get out after seven. And was months. your mum and
0: dad contacted
2: her then? My mum came to live in London at that time she come over to, he, Yeah she mm. come over And my mum stayed in London then after that
1: Okay
2: Yeah so she, she stayed in London for a good few years after that when I got out I came home and my sister looked after me My dad was kind of drinking and, and that And then when I got a bit better I went and done the whole lot again I ended up in another psychiatric In Dublin. No in, in Dublin I ended up in Dundrum I got into a taxi Same thing again Drug psychosis are you, th- st- are, you, th-
0: are you still I, on acid?
2: Our- no, I I I was kind of back to normal. My sister detoxed me off the psychiatric drugs. Like it, it was just crazy. And then I went out and proceeded to do it all again. And um, I thought I owned a Dublin. I don't know how that came about. And the oilac was getting built at the time. And I remember sitting on Henry Street and looking down at Connolly Station, and the sun was coming up. And every time I looked at the sun, I could control the sun. The sun kept coming back down. <laughs> What a guy! And then I went into the butchers on um, Moore Street, and I walked in behind the counter, and I started shouting oh, the knife geez. And your man walks out with a tray of chops and goes, uh, "What the fuck are you doing?" I said, "Look, I just put them in the window." and says, <laughs> "Oh, you own Dublin." I says, "Oh, you own this butcher <laughs> shop." But I ended up going into Dundrum and then into um, Vincent's in Fairview on the Richmond Road, which was. Which
1: oh, are psychiatric? It was crazy.
2: Come here, yeah. crazy stuff happened down there. We had a. We, I was in there for Halloween, and one of the funniest things down there was we had this. We had a. Um, the Batman film was out at the time, so they asked us all what we wanted to dress up as. So I dressed up as the Joker. I mean, two cousins come up, who are actually subsequently dead. The two of them died from old days. One of them died last year, and the other fellow died about three years ago. And they sat there for the night. Just laughing. Were they in the hospital? No, they just come up to visit. Oh. Yeah, they'd come up to visit. So it was like it was crazy, like it was like it was like something one one over flew over the yeah, cooker's yeah. nest. Um so then I got out of there again and then So now what, you are like twenty? Yeah, so then 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 yeah, I'm just twenty then and then I just start getting into heroin. Um now how can I Sorry, go on, Mar. I was just
1: going to say, Willie, so you know, the, at this stage now, you've been in two psychiatric... Three. Three psych, psych, psychiatric...
2: Psychiatric, yeah. it was. Psychiatric, psychiatric. <laughs> well done, Willie.
0: <laughs> 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 He's a comedian as well, just in case. Yeah, just say <laughs> uh, like that. We dwell in our misery. Um,
1: um, so you've been in three times and I'm... Uh, like, when you were in there, some part of you was maintaining hope that you would get out. I mean, this would be very small at times. But did you ever have the thing, when I get out, I am going to you Know, turn my life around, or I'm going to stop doing drugs, or was that a Were you even know, thinking
2: you know, like that? Do you know what it was, Mark? I always, I never thought that drugs would have put a problem right. Like, okay, I could never see that. Like, Did you see that was just
0: like going for a drink?
2: Yeah, I could, like, like uh, all the troubles that I've had in my life, and all the times I ended up in psychiatric institutions, and you know, when I started taking heroin, and um, when I start going to prison, or to start going to prison, and um, from that, you know, and. When I started taking heroin and and then, and then I ended up homeless on the street and all these things, circumstances, I never got a moment of clarity and kind of went to myself, geez, maybe if I stopped taking drugs here, the things will be kind of be okay. It, it wasn't like that. Yeah. It was only kind of until I was, you know, and people say to you, you know what, what about rock bottoms? Look, like, I mean, I would loads of rock bottoms. Yeah. Like, I got bags of rock bottoms, but I think for an addict, for me who was an addict all them years, you stop when you want to stop, when you've had enough. My, my using and my, my addiction was, it was like getting into a ring every day with Anthony Joshua and getting battered and thinking that when you grow up the next morning and that it's going to change. Like, but nice. it never changed. Yeah. So when you, you know? first,
0: when you went on heroin when you were about 20, that's the first time? Yeah. I was about 20. And like when you're, who, did someone, were you no, I was, do you
2: know what, I was running around for these guys who were selling a lot of drugs and I used to be bringing stuff from place to place and I, I just ended up, I used to be still kind of raving and, and the lads were smoking gear and I had access to a lot of, a lot of heroin and, and I just got into it and, you know, I wouldn't be known, I knew the dangers of drugs and I knew what they'd done but, Look, at the lads found out that I was taking drugs, taking their drugs and there was a bit of trouble. And, and I was left for a habit and I was with a girl. And so I was left with two habits, kind of. So she was using, I was using it. And then I started going to prison for petty stuff, you know, like shoplifting. And mm. and then I got caught with drugs and I ended up going to prison for a few months. And then there was, you know. There was, was
0: that terrifying then when you went into prison? Like yeah, it was. To,
2: it was terrifying. but
0: Because you're pretty young still.
2: Yeah, pretty young, but I knew I knew a lot of people in there, and, I, and as I said, I wasn't one of these tough guys. I suppose I was always kind of a humorous, kind of funny, kind of fella. So that's kind of where I I I went to it, you know. And people used to like have me around to have a bit of a bit of laugh yeah. and that, like you know. So was it
0: like because someone like me? I mean, like, you're just kind of just it's just rolling off your tongue that you were in prison, but for me, it'd be like, oh. I- that's the end of your yeah, life. I'd yeah, be like but so yeah,
2: scared. But yeah, it would be because you were living a completely different life to the life that I was leading. But I knew with the way that I was using and the way I was living my life that there was a possibility that I was going to go to prison. So, are so you even aware as frightened as I as I yeah. was, kind of going into prison for the first time, I'm still going. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost you've an expectation. Yeah, you've got to adapt. Like you know, it's 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 it's. Well, you it's seem just to have an incredible things. capacity of to adapt. <laughs>
1: Like seriously I'm That is the like, biggest understatement like a, I've ever Made in my life I'm kind of like A
2: chameleon yeah. Anywhere I'm going But you to know it's bad Because we are talking in. About
0: turn your life yeah. around But y- y- you don't even know You're you're not trying To turn your life around At all in those days yeah. <laughs> But it's not about no, it's no, survival no, but, but what I'm saying point. is You're surviving And yeah. you're actually Heading there Without even knowing Do you
2: know what I, I I When I was living homeless I was I ended up homeless On the street now that's,
0: Is that more terrifying
2: Than prison yeah, being homeless was terrible. My dad went to Blackpool for a weekend and I pawned the video recorder in Queen Street Pond. So my dad come back, my <laughs> oh, dad come back with a load of and uh, not DVDs, <laughs> oh, videos. God. Going, look, I'm out of getting Roy Chubby Brown and Bernard Manning and all. He says, Brilliant I'm going to the watch kids. them. He's, oh, he says, no, no, leave them till in the morning. Because <laughs> you've no fucking video recorder there. <laughs> it's in the pond. So when I come up the next day, um, there was just a note, leave your key, um, you're not welcome here anymore. My oh. sister threw me out and, God, it was horrible. So I ended up in hostels and in living Dublin. on sofas and living on the streets and um, it, w- it was just horrible. Then I, I I, ended up getting caught with more drugs and I went back to London. My mum was living in London and um, it was I was using intravenously at the time as when well. When you're saying like,
0: sorry, caught with drugs, are you caught with dealing? I was caught, you know, like yeah, I was, well, I
2: was caught with drugs that belonged to a fella. Yeah. They weren't my drugs. I've nothing to hide. You were my drugs. I'd say they were my drugs. They yeah. weren't. He's actually dead as well. Um so I ended up um Yeah, I, I I I I ended up going to London and and in London things was all right for a while and then just I, I started smoking crack over there and Jeez. so there was a warrant for me arrest and my partner come over and then that everything just fell apart and then I ended up homeless again in London and um living in a car in London, me and my partner and then eventually I got I, I got arrested and I got extradited home to Dublin
0: were you not in Brixton prison I was then? in
2: Brixton prison for six weeks and f- when I came back to Dublin I, I wasn't using. I was clean and I'd never been clean before but I knew going back to so Mount are
0: you now Willie at that stage I roughly I'm about 22
2: hmm. God almighty oh yeah. only 22
0: and,
1: and I'm back in happening. prison
2: and I'm using me groin because of no veins and I'm using me neck Jeez. and it's It's fucking devastating, yeah. Um, and I still couldn't see the problem. And then a mate of mine said to me, I, I, I ended up getting five and a half years in prison with a review after three and a half years with conditions that I, you know, do something about my drug habit. And as the three and a half years is coming closer, I knew a prison officer. And I just said, I, and I start going to these meetings, I start going to this 12-step programme because they to give out free cigarettes. And my mate says, come on up here. It's great crack. There's a lot of fucking idiots. and So I used to go up to the fucking idiots. And then I seen some people that I used to use with, that used to go to these meetings. And I, and I kind of got, you know, I was kind of going, maybe this could work for me. Um, but th- th- I went to the prison officer and I said to the prison officer, at this stage, I was really, really ill. And um I knew if I got back out, that I was either going to end up back in prison or I was going to end up dying. I, I knew that for a fact. So I said, listen, I, I said, Mark, his name is Mr. Farrell. Mark Farrell, who, you know, have listens to the podcast. You know, point of people that I rebelled against all my life, people with authority like guards and prison officers, this prison officer, and I, and I just says, listen, I, 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 I need help. He says, what do you want to do? I says, I want to go to the medical unit, which I knew it was there, and I want to do a detox and I want to try to get into the drug-free prison. And he said, leave it with me. So he, I left it with him. And a few days later, he says, listen, don't say that anyone. I'm after getting you in because it was very hard to get in, you know. So I went over and I'd done the detox for a week. Um, and that must and be difficult. It was difficult, the t- isn't it? time when Liam Lawler was locked up. He was in there. Oh, was, yeah. Do you remember he got locked up? Mm. Well, he was treated so differently. So when we mm-hmm. were out, he was locked up in his cell. And when he was in his cell, we were out like, you know, the joys of being a politician, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went through the detox and there was 10 of us in the group. That we went over to the detox, and and six of them were dead in the first five years. When we when we got out, like I was wow. the only one that stayed clean.
0: They, uh, they they went out and went back on drugs? Went
2: back using, yeah. So six of them died in the first five years, and I start going to these meetings, and I and I and I got out on my review. Our uh, Green Street Magistrates Court, and I started going to these meetings, and I, and I and I got clean, and I and I. I still go to them. I still go to meetings. And um, so
0: you were clean from that day on.
2: Or clean, yeah, from the 4th of April, 2001. So how old were you now? Oh, I was 29. And 29 Jesus. played a big part of my life. My cell door was 29 on B2. I was 29 when I got clean. And the house that I got a mortgage on was number 29. Really? And um, then I went in and I put a thousand euro on the bonus ball for the lotto. And it was seven in. <laughs> and <there was> a- <laughs> that didn't, that yeah, did, that didn't was happen he? that'd be a great way to end the, it wouldn't it and I was, <laughs> was a fucking gambler <laughs> no so yeah so I, 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 that was it I got, I got out of prison got,
0: and did you start work
2: then my partner was still using Oh, so she was using for the first five years of my recovery wow, that must was so- and fantastic. you were living very, together like that yeah it was very very Jesus difficult Christ. and then my child was born and um, yeah it was mad things mm. t- like like <laughs> it's
0: like it won't leave you.
2: No, it, at that stage, it's it's. I, I it's, had a lot of work to do on myself because I was damaged, like I, you know, I was. But mentally, how strong you were really to do that? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I mean, that is it.
0: where your life is literally changing.
1: When, yeah, when you, and then sorry, now just in, uh, you said five of the people that you started, six of them, six of them were dead within five years yeah. of leaving. When, you know, say, when you walked into that room the first day, would you have been able to say... Do
2: you know what? I'll tell you what happened that day. The, a guy from Keel come up, because there was different people that used to come in. And he said, uh, he says, if one of is get clean out of this group, he says, it's going to be a really, really successful group. And I sat there and I said to myself, as I'm sure the other nine lads probably did, I'm going to get clean. You see, that's it, you isn't know? it? And, and that was kind of more so the turning point for me, like I, I, I knew, I, like I, I, I'd, I'd just been so lucky and when I got out, I went to live with my sister. I was barred from Ballymun, um, which is probably a bleeding oh, heart. barred from the entire the, Yeah, Ballymun. I was barred from Ballymun for the... anti-social behaviour and drug dealing. So I had to go in front of the council, well, the corporation as they were back then, and, and, and plead my case that I was in recovery and that they would be jeopardising my recovery if I had nowhere to live, that I was staying with my sister and through the jigs and the reels, they they let me do that. And then I was on a day program, an aftercare recovery group that I went to. And then my partner got pregnant, so then I went to walk. Work. I walked scaffolding over in London, and I went to work for this firm. And then I met Des, um, Des Bishop, in prison. And then when I got out of prison after about two years, um, Des asked me to do this program, which was about um, the whole. It was about me getting out of prison and embarking on the world of stand-up comedy because he see me at a convention that I was at for the recovery thing I do and I was doing an auction and I was just having a bit of crack and he goes, you know what, he says you're very funny. So he asked me to do this and, and I had to really think about it because I knew it would have ended up on the late late or, you know, or, or whatever and I, and I decided not to do it because I didn't want to be branded as the drug addict comedian and I knew that they'd dig up stuff about yeah, me past yeah, and this, yeah. that and you know, so I, I really didn't want that. Um so I, I declined. I just says to Dads, look, it's not happening. And then I said, Look, if you're doing nothing else, give us a shout. I says, But I can't do that. You know, because I had an employer and I had a young child, and I, mm. you know, it was kind of it was probably something that that could have brought me back using in a sense. Yeah, you you're trying to know. get it. You're trying to get yeah, it away it
1: from the of thought you had in that moment, because I mean, it must have been like a big shiny thing.
2: Oh, you come know? here! I, I could see the like there was more good in me looking at it, going, yeah, it was a great platform and a great diving board for me to do what I wanted to do yeah. in regards to comedy. But I just, I just couldn't do it, like you know. So when he'd done the Joy in the Hood thing, then he called us back when he'd done the Ballywoman, which was the pilot one. So I'd done that with Eric Lawler. And, um,
0: this is where Des went to like disadvantage areas uh, in, in Verticom is there. And you get people to do stand-up, try and teach them stand-up, wasn't it? That was what he was trying to do. You all did about bit.
2: Yeah. 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 And um, so I'd done that and and start kind of doing open spots and comedy clubs and then went down to Kil- Kilkenny for the first year where I met Jason For the Cats Laughs Yeah we we played football I went to see Jason up in um, the Kilford Arms and he was on with <laughs> Rod Gilbert and oh, yeah. Ed Bourne and I can't think of the other act but it was just great and come here we were only starting off doing comedy and just me and Jason kind of hit it off I have to say and I'm not blowing smoke up Jason's arse he was very good to us and then that August he says why don't you just come over to Edinburgh so me we went over to Edinburgh that year and it, and it was great, crack. Like, <laughs> and I still go over, you know, I still, yeah. I still and go And just to over. say now,
0: because like we're caught, we're so run out of time, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> Is that like, you 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 got to that stage, right? You're doing a stand-up, you're still you're doing the scaffolding still and then you and then he goes and, and he does this play. Right? Yeah, so what happened he's, he's was it just quick. To, yeah, there quick was a there was a production
2: a company called Broken Talkers. So in between all that as well, my sister passed away. She died Canter. in two thousand and ten or forty four. That was horrible. She
0: was lovely That was she, she? She was great, great my sister her.
2: Susan. And then my dad died in two thousand and sixteen. Then my relationship ended after 22 years. So there oh was lots God. of shit yeah. that happened that I had loads of excuses to probably use. But I had the tools to know that no matter what happened, I didn't use. So these guys from Broken Talkers were doing this thing. Um, they, were, they were getting a play together and they went into Mount Joy over 18 months and they were interviewing people that were doing life. And then they went into the training unit, which is the kind of place where there's no drugs and they went to see the music teacher. And the music teacher, um, the music teacher was talking to him and he was saying, who would you recommend, you know, for someone to uh, to do this play with? And he says, off the top of my head, he says, we used to have a fella in here, he says, <laughs> and he's very, very funny. He says, you're a great singer. He says, you guy call Willie White, he says. Oh and he's gosh. a stand-up comedian. He says, if I was to tell you to get anyone to do it, he says, he'd be the fella to get. And he says, do you have a contact? He says, no, but he's on Facebook or he's on Twitter. So the guy is contacting me through Twitter and wanted to meet me. So I came along and he says, look, this is what we're doing. It's about mental health. It was meant to be a one-man show. So I went to do it and... um, it wasn't really walking out me talking into in, the audio to myself. So, one of the guys, a guy called Gary Keegan, who was one of Broken Talkers, he stood in. So, he stood in for it and it worked a lot better with him. So, I thought the script was written and all that and it wasn't. So, I was giving them my experience of stuff that happened when I was in psychiatric hospitals and, you know, and he was an ex victim of crime. In real life, right. and I was an ex criminal, so he's kind of given his version of events, and I'm giving my version of events. And they got this piece together, and it was just, it was just amazing. Like, it was very, very therapeutic. It was very, very hard going. Um, I, I, I put an awful lot of hard work into my partner wanted to know it. My new partner wanted to know about it. I told her nothing about it. I'd done the lions on my own, and, and the whole lot, what was going on, and, um, she came to see the play, and people came to see the play. And when we when we put it on in the Project Arts Centre, and Jason came to see it, and it yeah, was just it was it was and amazing. Like sounds like, I, like I a very powerful piece of work. Yeah, it was really really powerful, and it was, and it was the really the heavy. Examination. Called the examination, and then we got a four star review out of um, the Irish Times. Then we went to Edinburgh for a couple of weeks, got a couple of four star reviews over there. Then we done the Dublin Fringe Festival. And at the Dublin Fringe Festival, we got nominated for Best Production and we got nominated for Best um, Actor, which was me. And we went and uh, I genuinely wasn't expecting to win it. And I won it. And um, I won Best Performer. But it's not I people. actually have
1: goose pimples down Yeah, but you're going back.
2: from and a man who was yeah. like homeless, yeah. blue, and we were <laughs> prison to stand
0: there with an award going yeah. best. Yeah. And we won Best
2: Production as well. That's just. So now we're in the Irish Times Theatre Awards on the 5th of April in the National Concert Hall where we've been shortlisted from 815 shows down to the last four for Best Production as well.
0: Well, look, listen, we're out of time. <laughs>
2: oh unfortunately <laughs> no but listen, listen there's going to gonna have to be
0: a Willy White part 2
2: there there has to be
0: now we couldn't have t- talk about turn your life around <laughs> yeah. like I mean this man is amazing do you know what I mean really, and seriously. people just want to listen to you forever yeah. but look Willie really, thanks a million you're very welcome yeah, I'd love to say I'll see you again but I will he's a <laughs> He's a pain in the hole. He's a great friend of mine, and I have to leave and see him all the time. So, like,
1: thanks so much, <laughs> Willie. We well definitely continue Willy. this that to was be a,
0: Amazing. So, look, look, you've been listening to to me, Mar, and Willie. Uh, that's mind your loaf. Uh, if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to that, and tell your friends to subscribe as well.
1: And don't forget, if you or someone you know is going through a tough time, there is professional mental health support online, from counselling to support groups, all available for free anyone in Ireland on turntome.ie yes, And can please. I just
2: finish by saying I and some friends of mine are starting up a group called I Pressed On which is depression, depression mixed up with words oh. and we're just normal people who are trying to help normal people who have mental health problems. We're, we're going to start up a drop-in centre and just somewhere and we're getting a, a mini bus to collect them from their house if they're suffering with anxiety or suffering with depression really? just That's somewhere amazing. where they can come so what's um, the so name for there again I pressed on on Facebook and I pressed on on Instagram and is we're just a, a, normal people helping normal people with mental health problems what, what's it called again I pressed on
0: is that the ironing service it is, yeah. yeah. It is. We'll do your show as is well. That what the minibus is yeah. for people. Or collect you, collect it, your washing.
2: If you lose your remote control, we'll come round and we'll press it on. Here, listen, we have to go because
0: to somebody else come to the studio. I think they're doing a gardening program.
1: <laughs> so mind your loaves so and mind yourselves.
0: But yeah, That's right. Look after your old bonger banks. Good luck. Bye. Thank you. Turn to me provides professional mental health support.
1: Ah, Jason. Do your, uh, you know, your ad voice.
0: Oh, yeah, I'll do yeah, that. Yeah. Okay, I'll do a proper ad thing. Okay, ready? Yeah. As a registered charity, Turn To Me provides professional mental health support online for anyone in Ireland going through a tough time. From one-to-one counselling to group and peer support, Turn To Me is accessible from any device anywhere in Ireland. If you would like to support Turn To Me, you can donate €4 euros by texting Turn To Me to 50300. Text costs €4. Euros. Turn To Me will receive a minimum of €3.60. Service provider-like charity. Helpline zero seven. Six six eight zero five two seven eight. Is that you? Yeah, that was actually me okay. there. You've been listening to Jason Byrne and Mara, and this is Mind Your Loaf. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe too.
1: And don't forget, if you or someone you know is going through a tough time, there is professional mental health support online, from counselling to support groups, all available for free for anyone in Ireland on TurnToMe.ie.
0: Mind your loafs
1: and mind yourselves. Ah.
2: That's like yeah. That's like the time I was with, with a girl one morning. We were taking drugs, you know. And she goes, "Look, I'm at the, I'm, I'm at the phone in the post." She says, "Right," and she opened the post and she started sharing the money with me. She goes, "There's a tenner for you and a tenner for me." There was about a hundred odd quid in it, and then she got to the back of the post, and there was a photograph of her, and her two kids." <laughs> She was had to give me a She goes, I'm oh, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't <give laughs> back. <a> <laughs> back. <laughs>
0: I'm fucking brilliant. Oh, <laughs>